Consumerism is not a cultural epidemic. It is a church epidemic. We want church a la carte. Pick and choose different things we desire with the side of spirituality. But what happens when consumerism in church has become not only irrelevant to the next generation, but has also become ineffective to make kingdom disciples? Today on Bloom, we'll continue the conversation of the cost of consumerism and how we find our way back to the basics of biblical church. I'm your host, Jennifer Robinson, for April 7th, 2023. Welcome to Bloom. This is a podcast designed to inspire, encourage, and grow women in their relationships with each other and the Lord. So joining me in the studio today is Jelani Pinnock, pastor, worship leader, entrepreneur, fashion designer, music artist, songwriter, you're a husband to the incredibly talented Nyasia, and you've got three beautiful kids, Atara, Amalia, and Aaron. So did I leave anything out? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Thank you so much, though, for having me, Jen. It's definitely a blessing to be here. Um, love what you're doing. Love how your podcast is moving and growing. So I appreciate being here. Um, I don't think you left anything out. I think the most important, though, of all those titles is that I'm a loved son of God. I'm a follower of Jesus. and. Mm -hmm. Um, I have to say that out loud, honestly, to remind myself at times, mm -hmm. um, just because, you know, when we speak to ourselves in that way, our faith increases and we're reminded of just our identity and the purpose of everything we're doing. So, yeah, I, I would say that's the main title that I, I want to carry and walk mm -hmm. around with and be remembered by. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm really excited to have you join me today on the podcast. Um, before we get started in the conversation, I want to do just like a really, really quick recap on what we went over in part one. Okay. So we talked a little bit about the history of consumerism, how there was this big boom with entertainment and technology in the 70s. And then the church had to figure out a way to be able to compete with the entertainment in order to keep baby boomers engaged in church. And so the church became more of a place that was um, for social community. It was a place of fellowship. It was a place where you could get help for your marriage and your kids mm. and maybe even a place to be entertained if you wanted to hear great music and be inspired by a great <laughs> message. Um, but I think that there was a shift in the model of church beginning with the millennial generation. Mm. So I think that continuing even down the line into like our kids. So since you're a fellow millennial, um, I wanted to hear what your thoughts were too, is see how, like, do you relate to the way church culture is currently, you know, how it functions? Is it relatable to you? But just before we get into that, um, I would love to hear first your perspective on what you believe are the symptoms of a consumeristic church. Hmm. That's a great question. Millennial generation, last of the dying breed. Um, <laughs> thank you. Uh, I think the greatest symptom of a consumeristic mentality or a consumeristic church, in my opinion, is probably debt um, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. the consumerism in a capitalistic society is just you get what you want when you want it and it's quickly available. You can grab it um, even if you don't have, mm -hmm. you know, if you don't have, mm -hmm. you can you can get a credit card, you can. And, and so I think churches in a sense, have um, moved away from maybe the, the kingdom frugality that God mm -hmm. calls us to so that we can reach the people that he wants to wants us to reach or so that we yeah. can be generous to the kind of people that he wants us to be generous towards. And I'm not really saying this as a budget master, honestly. Um, I'm someone that struggled with finances most of my life because of not being taught. Um, 
Mm-hmm. Um, but debt debt transcends finance, mm-hmm. and and it can be calculated in greed, um, negativity, fear of change. I think is a great uh, symptom of consumerism because if I'm used to getting something, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden my pastor or my leaders are requiring a shift of me mm-hmm. and a shift of the way that I approach something and I sort of push back, um, that means I've stacked up a debt um, mm-hmm. in a bad way and then I'm not able to now make the changes necessary. And um, so the gospel really requires harsh and coarse, harsh and coarse changes mm-hmm. a lot of times in coarse correction. Mm-hmm. Um, as it says in Proverbs 3, you know, you walk and God will correct you along the way. So I think th- those are some of the, the, the symptoms of, of a consumeristic church probably. Mm-hmm. So then like based on those symptoms, what do you think is the biggest problem then with a church that is consumeristic? Mm. Uh, well, first off, consumerism is, idol- idol- is idolatry. It's, it's an idol. Um, it's really, if I were to define it, it's thinking of the self inherently, like, and that's antithetical to the gospel. The gospel is a mission mm-hmm. of service mm-hmm. and servitude. Um, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 20, verse 26 to 28, he said, whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. Mm-hmm. For even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom. Mm-hmm. And when we think of ransom, we think of somebody um, getting kidnapped or taken mm-hmm. and having to pay their way out. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, I freely give myself into that harsh situation and I'm willing to pay with my life. So you don't really get more humble than that. Um, mm-hmm. Consumerism and, and, and the kingdom of God and the life of a disciple is like oil and water, mm-hmm. to be honest. And it's something that I think Throughout the course of our walk with Christ, he's going to always attack by his Holy Spirit, that concept of me first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's, um, and so I guess the biggest issue that comes out of that is that if I'm living a life antithetical to the gospel, mm-hmm. then the gospel doesn't spread and therefore it dies. Mm-hmm. So if if I'm me first and I'm self-centered in my approach to Christianity and the type of music I want, the type of preacher I want to hear, the type of church I want to go to, mm-hmm. um, the, the the way the pastor's dressing, mm-hmm. the way the people around me look, the way they sing, the way they worship, if that's my framework when I'm inside of a church building, mm-hmm. uh, then I'm probably not going to be good at making disciples and I'm probably not going to care about the gospel reaching the four corners of the earth. Yeah. It's really yeah. hard to do that at the same time. Yeah. Because people who need to be reached come from all those different preferential backgrounds. Mm-hmm. So how do we mm-hmm. break that mold so that we can reach the people outside of the sphere of comfort that we're in? Yeah. I was going to say actually that I think entitlement also falls mm. into that. And I think it's funny because I think some older generations look at millennials like you know and younger generations that we have this huge sense of entitlement yeah but the church has, I think, been there I think we do. for decades. I think we do. But. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I I grew up where we still had to earn our trophies and things. Like we didn't just <laughs> all get a medal for participating. But yeah. um, I think that the church for a long time there's mm. been a huge sense of entitlement because mm. people come in and it's like. Well, I want like a little bit okay. what you were saying. Yeah. I want these yeah. songs to be yeah. sung, and if yeah. you're not going to sing those, then I'm out. And mm-hmm. I want events that look like this, and mm-hmm. they want to kind of format church to look the way 
that they feel it needs yeah. to be because it's whatever brings them comfort mm. or whatever makes them happy. That's mm. not in all cases, yeah. but that's in a lot of cases, I think. So we're seeing less and less younger people attending church. I mean, the numbers are really scary if you look at them. Mm. So if the entertainment industry and the technology boom in the 70s uh, drove churches to form this church model that would bring in baby boomers. Mm. How could the church pivot to remain relevant to millennials, Gen Z, and the alpha generation? Like, Do you think there needs to be a shift in the American church model? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's so many strategic approaches of well, how do we get better at? Mm -hmm. and, and I've been recently just convicted about the self-help kind of you can do better by reading this book kind of because mm -hmm. that in and of itself is consumerism mm -hmm. like how can i be better by just reading a book or getting more tips and, and honestly right. what i'm realizing more and more as we even see with the outpouring that they're calling at asbury yep. in a simple church in a small town mm -hmm. where just the main agenda was repentance and mm -hmm. coming back to christ mm -hmm. To keep it real, it's going to take the power of the Holy Spirit falling on us, um, falling on yeah. new leaders who love Jesus and love his bride, or falling on people who don't love Jesus, and yeah. in their being filled by the Spirit, yeah. they become in love with his bride. Yeah. Um, so it's going to take that, and that's where the freshness, I think, comes from. When you hear somebody say, oh, that feels fresh, I think that's yeah. a fresh wind yeah. of the Spirit moving. And if I were to be practical in how I think that we can make that shift... Number one, we got to carve out more time mm -hmm. in our times. Mm -hmm. We've designated moments in the week where we're saying, I'm designated this time to encounter the living God. Mm -hmm. Well, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. If I'm designating a time to encounter the living God, and as I heard uh, Robert Morrison say, Robert Morris say, um, he said, if I walk into that situation under control and I walk out of that same service in control, I don't know if I really met Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know yeah. if I really encountered the living God, because if we look through scripture, when people, they bowed on their knees, they yeah. cried, they, yeah. they, they felt their insufficiency before a mighty God. So I think we're going to have to carve out a ton of, ton of time mm -hmm. in our spiritual encounters mm -hmm. so that we can have space for God to move. I think yeah. a concept, and I'm returning more back to this liturgical process mm -hmm. of crafting a worship service as a worship leader, I get in front mm -hmm. of people, and my hope is that they would encounter Jesus. That's my number yeah. one hope. Yeah. So ancient future worship, and it's something that I learned in Bible college, is this concept of like liturgical, um, you know, whether that be Anglican or or whether that be some Catholic um, inspiration or different ways that we can embed things like corporate readings mm -hmm. and, you know, elements that will help to transport us out of our typical experience yeah. into a moment that we deem sacred. Mm -hmm. um, so I think crafting more of those intentional mm -hmm. services that might reach both the young and the old, um, both yeah. the seasoned and the unseasoned, the yeah. church and the unchurch, mm -hmm. by mm -hmm. just purely creating a space where this is a time where we meet God. Um, and then we have to de-emphasize the building gathering. It's just... and and and. People that are above our generation, they're going to get frustrated about that. But yeah, yeah. I, truthfully, my secret con like theory is that I think they're frustrated more because of what they've invested in the building yes. than yeah. because of the investment in people. Mm -hmm. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think that we put a lot of emphasis on programs yeah. over people when it comes to church. And I was thinking the same thing. I feel like the Lord even has been recently just putting on my heart to focus a lot on 
online hmm. and just different ways to be online, whether yeah. that's through TikTok, YouTube, Instagram. I'm in the same bag and as you. Yeah. I, I think that a lot of people think that, you know, it's a disservice or that it's, you know, during the pandemic, it was like, oh, well, of course, because mm-hmm. that's all we have. But yeah. now that we're back, let's get people back in the building. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm all for community and fellowship too. But I think that in order to get people really engaged to be Mm -hmm. a part of the body of Christ. I think that first of all, we have to invite them to be a part of something and not just attend something. So it's not just like, hey, come to this event, but it's more like, hey, look what we're doing. Look what's going on. Don't you want to be a part of this? You don't want to miss this. But then I think people also really find God in the really small spaces. Like Mm. you heard of one of our our residents had you know this open invitation yeah. hey come on over to my house and there was this massive worship breakout that happened in his basement regularly yeah at this point yeah, yeah. and it's like those are the kind of things that i, I think that people now want to see yeah. and experience and like you said like we don't need the building mm-hmm. to do it it's mm-hmm. not to say let's just do away with the building i fully believe in getting together for corporate worship on sundays mm. But what does church look like even throughout the week and yeah. things with us? You yeah, know? yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, honestly, I, I take a lot of responsibility, and it's the way that I keep myself humble enough before the Lord to know that I'm supposed to be a part of the solution than bickering about the issue that we have because we find ourselves in this issue. We didn't create mm-hmm. consumerism. We didn't create mm-hmm. the way the church is today and how it relates to people and people younger than us. And mm-hmm. and I myself, as somebody who's 36 years old, find it hard to relate to a 26-year-old just in a regular conversation. And that's just because of the way time has progressed. Mm-hmm. So I have to make an intentional effort now to meet people where they are. Like when the yeah. prodigal son ran away from his father, um, and went off and spent his wealth and dishonored his father's name and family reputation. And he came to himself and he made a journey back towards his father mm-hmm. with bad motives. Mm-hmm. I'm going to work my way back into my father's graces. Mm-hmm. And the father said, you know what? Before you even get to the door, because I don't know how those people are going to treat you when you meet them, let me meet you first. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you, hey, I'm just happy you came back. Yeah. I'm just happy that you're here. I'm, and I'm going to meet you here to show you how much I value your presence in this space. Yeah. So as, as the social media uh, uh, wizards would say... <laughs> How are you adding value to that person's life by Mm -hmm. the community that you create? Mm -hmm. Is it a place that they would want to go? And are you willing to meet them halfway down the road? Like, do they have to come where you are in order to feel value? Or truthfully, if they, if you value them as much as you say you value them, Mm -hmm. if I value people as much, Mm -hmm. I got to go to the hedges and highways. Yeah. That's what scripture says. Yeah. So I think, what are the hedges and highways of a ministry today? Mm -hmm. And, and how do you um, create space so that you're not avoiding those hedges and highways mm-hmm. because they're hard to get to? Yeah. Because yeah. that's where the people are. And one of the hedges and highways of today is the the metaverse. Ooh. <laughs> this, this, <laughs> honestly, the space where it's so much, I don't, I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what yeah. to do. Yeah. Well, get learn. Yeah. You know, study yeah. to show thyself approved about even society. Yeah. Right? Like learn about where these people are because that's where our children are. And I don't want to lose my kids to the metaverse because I wasn't willing to learn about it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. Yeah. That's practical for ministry or like you said, family. Mm -hmm. Just 
understanding what's going on in culture so that we can better relate and minister effectively to yeah. people around us. Yeah. So I was reading about the seven churches in Revelation because <laughs> I, I wanted to be able to see like, where that's do fun. where do we fit? Yeah, that's always <laughs> fun. Yeah. So Paul addresses each church and talks about their respective issues. And the church in America, as I was reading through several of them, reminds me so much of the church in Laodicea mm. um, because it was it was prosperous, it was industrial, mm. it was commercial. I mean, this church had such an abundance of resources, but God said that they had a lukewarm faith. Mm. And so the warning that Paul gave for them was to not become so complacent in like just the worldly comfort that they have because yeah. it diminishes the effectiveness as a disciple of Jesus. Yeah, so, I mean, what? <laughs> you said a mouthful. I, I don't know what else <laughs> I'm supposed to add to that. You know, the thing I love about and also are, am annoyed by the letter to the seven churches because as you're reading through it, you're like, that's not me. Oh, good. Oh, that's not me. I'm fine. And then you get to that third or fourth exhortation, and you're like, oh, my gosh. I'm terrible. I'm a bad Christian. But honestly, their prophecy is, is for correction in mm -hmm. advance. Mm -hmm. It's not about where you currently are. It's where you'll end up. And how do you mm -hmm. not get into that space where mm -hmm. you're under the judgment of God? Yeah. And I think yeah. I think the church in Corinth um, is like that book, First and Second Corinthians, mm -hmm. where Paul is addressing this prosperous, again, mm -hmm. industrial, like commerce is happening, people are making yeah. moves, and they were having popular popularity contests with leaders, mm -hmm. divisions over whose preaching was better, mm -hmm. people sleeping mm -hmm. with each other over lack, you know, lack of sexual integrity, mm -hmm. folks dabbling in witchcraft but still going to church at the same time. Does that sound familiar to yeah, you at all? a little bit. Sounds mm -hmm. like today a little bit. And then there was an overall need in 1 Corinthians 12, you see him say that, mm -hmm. there was a need for people to walk in their gifts under healthy leadership mm -hmm. and use that for people to encounter Jesus. So yeah. I think we're just in a situation where we need to be activated mm -hmm. in our usefulness as people in the body. 1 Corinthians 12, mm -hmm. Romans 12, um, Ephesians 4, like we have use. And we if we focus on the way God has called us and is using us, mm -hmm. like you're doing now, like mm -hmm. podcasts and women's ministry events and gatherings and I won't have time to be as consumerism. I won't have the time to be under the thumb of consumerism. Right. You know, and right. um, again, I, I say that with no judgment, no shade at all, because mm -hmm. it's, it's really difficult. Mm -hmm. Instagram is in my feed telling me that they're showing me stuff I like. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and yeah. that's what the algorithm does. Yeah. And how do I avoid that and go f focus more on purpose? Yeah. You know, and being activated for kingdom purpose. Yeah. So I have been in my perspective role both as, you know, in vocational ministry, but then even in my time in volunteer ministry, I've done everything from coordinate small, you know, prayer groups mm. to large scale events that are like, yeah. you know, large wedding size, mm -hmm. you know, amount of people. And I always find the same the same common themes. Mm. Whenever I promote something that is really big, it's got like a lot of the women 
um, that are in my leadership team, we've dubbed it fluff, you know, so it's like the extras, basically, like maybe you have a really dynamic speaker, maybe you have great, you know, worship music, but then you have like all the other extra stuff, like you've got really great food <laughs> and beverages and maybe yeah. even door prizes, which is like crazy to no, me I'm that, a little door prize. yeah, we need, we need door <laughs> prizes, you know, we need motivation to get yeah. into the building yeah. um, or you just get like a prize just for being here. <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always grappled with that whole concept, but I will get like hundreds and hundreds of women that will flock to those kinds of events. But then if I were to try to organize like, hey, let's all get together because we just need some time for prayer. Mm. It is like crickets. <laughs> no one shows up. And yeah. so I'd love to hear your perspective as like yeah. oh, a worship leader. Like where, where do you see, you know, yeah. lack of passion in things? Uh, yeah, you get a little pokey here. Well, <laughs> worship leading is subjective in a sense that like, well, first off, we want the response from people for mm-hmm. what we're putting out into the world, mm-hmm. into the atmosphere. That's okay. Yeah. And there are certain um, different things that we can do to help that response be better. Mm-hmm. Is it wisdom? Is it manipulation? Mm-hmm. Is it sort of this, you know, emotional like maneuvering to get people to, yeah, it's all of that Mm -hmm. to keep it real. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the end of the day, what is the point of people coming together to encounter Jesus Mm -hmm. and God will give you the wisdom and the tools necessary to, to get the right people that he's calling because it says the spirit draws them near and then Mm -hmm. the spirit raises them up in the last day Mm -hmm. and the spirit transforms them and the spirit raises them. So at the end of the day, like, I'm not really doing much except for watering and planting seeds. Mm-hmm. I just have mm-hmm. to be okay with what com- what comes. Yeah. If I'm not yeah. okay with the result of the effort that I'm putting in, mm-hmm. when I know I'm putting my full effort and I'm in prayer and I'm following the Lord and I'm hearing his wisdom, mm-hmm. then that says more about me than it says about the people. Mm-hmm. And if I'm going to then transform the way that I'm putting together an event just to get people yeah. Then that says more about me than it says right. about the people. Yeah. Because if I'm catering to a, a consumeristic spirit, mm-hmm. then of course I will get people who want to consume. Mm-hmm. But if we're gonna do things, and and honestly, there's a time and place for that. Mm-hmm. I think, like I think, we need that. The people gathered mm-hmm. in the Old Testament. It's what they did. They gathered yeah. together. They yeah. prayed together. They ate together. They had meals together. So, mm-hmm. and they got rebuked when they used the time to get together. Like in, in when in Corinthians, when he's talking about, oh, you came here and you're like eating the communion food. Like you didn't eat at home. Like why don't you go eat at home first? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> people came to eat and get together, and you know, from all different walks of life. So I think we just got to be okay with the results mm-hmm. and with God's mm-hmm. growth process of a thing. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much my my take on that. I love that though. So what do you think a church completely consumed by Christ over consumerism would look like? Mm. Consumed by Christ versus... Consumerism. Consumerism. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Well, first we have to really put this in context. A church is not a pastor, Mm -hmm. right? So Mm -hmm. it's hard to judge Big C Church or Capital Church, Capital C Church in a way that is a blanket statement. I think the leader of a church mm-hmm. shows what the church is ultimately comprised of. Mm-hmm. And a generous, selfless, and loving lead pastor 
will produce a generous, selfless, and 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 loving church. Mm -hmm. um, I read something this morning, and I feel like the passage truly shows what the Christ life is, and and what it looks like to have that balance and to really. Um, put at bay a me first consumeristic mentality because it will be there mm -hmm. but how do we keep it under submission of the lord yeah um and that was in um first thessalonians and and paul was addressing the church of in um, thessalonica i believe mm -hmm. it's called and he says for i appeal to you that we 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 make um for the appeal we make does not spring from error or imp impure motives nor are we trying to trick you on the contrary we speak as those approved by god to be entrusted with the gospel. Mm -hmm. We're not trying to please people, but God mm -hmm. who test our hearts. Mm -hmm. You know, we never use flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, nor from you or anyone else. Even though as mm -hmm. apostles of Christ, we could have asserted over our authority. Instead, we're like young children among you, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Mm -hmm. Because we love you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Mm -hmm. And that transparency and that posture before mm -hmm. God's people, mm -hmm. man, the Lord will always be able to check you and, and correct you and, and, and change you to get you away from that consumeristic spirit yeah. for sure. So I think yeah. Paul's approach is the best approach. Yeah. I know you've kind of touched on this here and there, like throughout the conversation, but just to kind of summarize it all, how do you think then we can get back to the basics of biblical church? Mm -hmm. Something that I've been jumping more into in 2023 is just stillness and quiet. Mm -hmm. Like we had this leadership mm -hmm. thing that we do here at the church and we, and it, you know, helps people think on the same page about leadership, but there was a uh, one of the podcasts that we listened to, Pete Scazzaro, out of Emotionally Healthy Church and Emotionally mm -hmm. Healthy Spirituality, mm -hmm. probably some of the best books, I think, period, for any church leader mm -hmm. to read, which is an excellent foundation of how to remain healthy. Mm -hmm. Because it's not that we have to avoid consumerism, it's that we have to avoid sin at all costs. Yeah. And and in a way to do that is to be to have self awareness. Mm -hmm. How do I? How am I looking before God and before His people? Mm -hmm. And the only way to really get that information is not from your friend. Mm -hmm. It's from quietness before the Lord. Yeah, that's when yeah. God speaks pointedly and specifically and says, you know, Jelani. Last Wednesday, you were in a conversation with that person, and you said this. You need to give that back to me. You need to repent for that. Mm -hmm. And I think having that quiet spirit before the Lord, mm -hmm. regular basis on a weekly basis, hour a week, where you're still before him, that allows us to then be opened up enough to get to the basics. And the basics and the first work is prayer, and the second work is making disciples. Yeah. So everything else is yep. extra. Right. You know? <laughs> right. Like, so I, I think that, um, but but the reality is, as, as this Alliance pastor said, who I, you know, I used to serve in his church plant, Mike Rosado, he said, you can't be a tour guide of a place you've never been to. Hmm. So if you don't know how to see God and be quiet before God, how can you expect people in a church yeah. to do that? And that's yeah. that's what we have to do. We have to take that responsibility mm. as leaders mm -hmm. um, to get back to the basics ourselves yeah. and realize how we are before God and before people. And then yeah, we can yeah. lead people anywhere yeah. that God calls us to lead them to the narrowest places mm -hmm. and to the widest of roads. I think so much of what you said was just so like, personally challenging for me. Hmm. It was just a good reminder though that I needed to hear because I felt like the Lord, when I stepped into women's ministry almost three years ago, hmm. I felt like he told me to 
put the focus on him mm. and show women how to grow in him. Mm. And I feel like more lately I've been compromising mm. by wanting to please yeah. what people want in order to, I don't know, I guess probably to avoid any flack, yeah. you know, that I would catch if I didn't provide certain things. Right. Um, this is a story that I shared recently, but um, I was at an event, um, one, one of our events uh, a couple weeks ago, and I had a woman afterwards that, you know, and it's so funny because the Lord told me in advance this was going to happen, mm. but she just came up to me and, and she was complaining about the the tea selection that we had because <laughs> the six flavors we had the six. was not enough. Yeah. Um, you can get more, Jen. There's more flavors. <laughs> I know. You can get. There's more. I know. You don't have to have like, the red robot. We ran out of yeah. passion fruit hibiscus. Nobody you know, wants chamomile. <laughs> right. Anyway, go ahead. So, I was not surprised by it because I'm like, all right, Lord, you told me that was going to happen. So, like, I just was like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. We were out of a couple flavors. I'll make sure I've got them back. You know, next time. And then when I was in the kitchen doing some stuff, I felt like the Lord was just like minister to women. That's what he told me. Mm. And then immediately when I went back out into like the event yeah. area where everybody was, I was approached by a woman who was just really going through some mm. things and she needed to just talk. And I felt like even in just that moment, God was just reminding me of some of mm. those things that he put on my mm -hmm. heart initially and focusing on just pleasing him at all costs mm. and not worrying so much about yeah. people and yeah. i think that you're so right in yeah. that that sometimes the you know we have a culture of consumerism but when we as church leaders and yeah. that doesn't necessarily mean people that are vocationally right. leading there's a lot of people mm -hmm. that volunteer lead here and um if we though are just spending that one-on-one -on -one time seeking the lord mm -hmm. then we will do what the Bible says, we're going to produce disciples. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so I appreciate it. Thank yeah. you for the reminder. Yeah. And I want to say thank you for just being a worship leader that is spirit-led. Hmm. You are very spirit-led. Oh, glory um, to God. Thank you. When my parents, they visit Grace once a month, and every time they come <laughs> up here, they are so delighted when you are leading. They get so excited so about neat. that. So yeah. Thanks, man, for being here. Appreciate <laughs> it's it. It's been an honor. It's been great. Yeah, yeah. good conversation. Look like you know what you're doing over here. <laughs> uh, I like it. <laughs> Thank you. It's good. Appreciate it. So if you are new to Bloom, we launch the podcast the first Friday of every month. Love it. If that if this has been something that has blessed you, would you share it? Put on your social media, share it with a friend that you think it would encourage, um, because our goal is to continually be growing in the Lord. So like I always like to say, keep growing and God bless.